This episode is brought to you in part by Dr. Tony Evans, author of Kingdom Kindness. Learn how to become a countercultural force by reflecting God's kindness. Find this and other uplifting resources on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. You're listening to Seeing and Believing, a film and television podcast that searches for the sacred on screen. I'm Wade Bearden. And I am the future version of Kevin McLenathan, visiting from the decades hence to warn you about dark and terrible things that await you in the years to come. Oh no, Kevin, is it is it global warming? Is it a meteorite? Is it aliens? What is it? No, worse. Adam Sandler is going to do another five-film exclusive deal with Netflix. Oh, no. And they're all going to be Transformers films. Harrowing, harrowing stuff. (laughs) Listeners, today we review the new Amazon Prime film. It's directed by Chris McKay, The Tomorrow War. We also had some listeners write in to tell us about some good things possibly in our future that are related to films, so stay tuned for that on this episode, episode 296 of Seeing and Believing. There are 50 to 60 armed men and women standing on the pitch. You're tapped in. Good copy. It's okay. We are you. 30 years in the future. It's okay, sweetie. We are fighting a war. Our enemy is not human. And we are losing. In 11 months time, all human beings in the future will be wiped from the face of the earth unless you help us yes listeners we are here with episode 298 we're going to get into chris mckay's the tomorrow war here in just a moment we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in it's another week Another opportunity to talk about film, the good, the bad, the ugly. Who knows, Kevin? We'll see here in just a moment. And the people that make that possible are our Patreon supporters. You who support us, keep the show going. If you'd like to support us, just hop on over to our Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash seeing underscore believing underscore podcast. A number of great donation levels. One of those that we really love around here is the what can you buy for $5 level. You get a lot of perks and it also begs the question, Kevin, what can someone buy for five bucks? Five bucks would help you achieve the suspiciously ripped look that Chris Pratt has been sporting over the last few years in his career. It's a get, you know, one of those uh, special back massagers, but Mm. apparently it helps tone your, your muscles somehow. The science behind it is unclear, but for $5, what do you have to lose? <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? Those those little things on TV and they were they were like these pulse things you put on your on your abs and you like turn on the machine and it like twitches them and it's supposed to give you a stick six uh-huh. pack. D- do those actually work? Did anybody get a six pack from those? 
I, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll throw that out to our listeners. Listeners, if you have had any success stories related to those things, please let us know. I know that I've I've seen uh, my own strange contraptions on late night infomercials. Uh, there's one where you basically like put a uh, like a belt or a sash around your midsection and you just stand in front of this machine and it kind of like uh, moves the sash back and forth. Sort of like, I guess the friction is supposed to rub away some of your some of your cellulite. I again, science is unclear, but mm. we'd also be interested to know if there are any success stories that grew out of that particular contraption. I mean, it's worth a shot, right? Even if you don't get a six pack, but you spent $5 and you got a five pack. I mean, it's, it's worth it in my opinion. Yeah. I, I mean, as long as you don't also end up with some serious abrasions, <laughs> that could also be you know, the downside, but you know, who are we to stand in the way of progress? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if that machine was invented by the chiropractors of America. Don't know if that's a real group and <laughs> it, it puts your spine out of place. And so they always have business because of that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm spitballing here. <laughs> well, tr- truly the future is, is now everyone. And if for $5, <laughs> you could get one of these wonder machines, or you could help us keep the lights on here on seeing and believing. We really appreciate that. We always really appreciate it, though. Even if you aren't uh, a patron, uh, we do appreciate hearing from from our listeners just with just uh, you know various film related things they've been thinking about or would recommend. And we've got a couple of tweets this week to share. One of them comes from Seth T. Hani. He was responding to our review of Pixar's Luca from a couple weeks back, and he wanted to know if we had seen Yuasa lose over the wall. It's, he says, it's my favorite take on a sea monster coming up on land to hang out in a small village. I believe it's on Netflix. It's great for family, and the dub is pretty solid, especially for the singing. So thanks so much, Seth, for writing in with that recommendation. I had not heard of it, but I am going to maybe check that out one of these days if I'm looking for something, you know, kind of nice and summery. Sounds pretty good. We also heard from listener Lindsay Dunn. Uh, she has a recommendation for a uh, an Apple TV documentary that I believe is not out yet, but is coming out soon. It's titled The Girl Who Wore Freedom. Lindsay just says, I want more film critics to review this and, you know, just really wants to get more attention for that. So I don't know if we're going to have time, Wade, on our schedule to fit a review of that film in, but you can check it out on uh, Twitter. The Girl Who Wore Freedom, again, is, is the title. You can check out the film on there or just hit up google and see more information about it looks pretty interesting if you're especially if you're looking for something to kind of give you a little bit more patriotic uh feelings Mm. uh in the wake of the fourth of july yeah fourth of july was pretty relaxing got to watch some movies and hope our listeners can take some recommendations maybe the next holiday they watch some of these films just go to patreon.com forward slash seeing underscore believing underscore podcast to support us on our patreon page and then like kevin mentioned you can tweet us with recommendations at c belief pod at c belief pod or email us seeing and believing capc at gmail.com so i mentioned kevin i watched some movies over this holiday weekend. And according to some statistics, 2.41 million people 
watched the film that we are about to review. They streamed it on Amazon Prime. The film is directed by Chris McKay with a script by Zach Dean. Here's the movie's official synopsis. The world is stunned when a group of time travelers arrive from the year 2051 to deliver an urgent message. 30 years in the future, mankind is losing a global war against a deadly alien species. A family man, played by Chris Pratt, is drafted to fight in this future war, where the fate of humanity relies on his ability to confront the past. The film also stars Yvonne Strahovski and J.K. Simmons and Sam Richardson. Kevin, you were one of those 2.41 million individuals along with myself who saw this film. And I, I'm a little worried where this review is going to head. So we should just probably get it out right now. What did you think about this film? Will it go down as one of the science fiction great movies of our time? Or do you just wish it would go down? It would disappear. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put it this way. I very much wish that I was not one of the (laughs) 2.41 million people who watched this movie. I, I, I don't think it's a very good film. I will say that... Probably the 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 greatest benefit I got from from my time with the Tomorrow War was a renewed appreciation for the filmmaking of James Cameron. And you know, yeah, you know, I was a little bit down on Avatar when it came out. I still don't think Avatar is a great film. Um, and you know, they're they're over the years, especially as we've gotten more and more distance from the last time Cameron released one of his you know big sci-fi blockbusters it's been easy to kind of like oh you know he's just kind of a he's a blockbuster filmmaker they're fun but there's not really anything to them they're not you know you know you've you've seen one sci-fi blockbuster you've seen them all it's easy to kind of take him for granted in that way but having watched the tomorrow war it really has given me a renewed appreciation for what cameron can do behind the camera because you know at first glance there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with this film it's got a, a pretty interesting you know time travel premise uh it's got a, a likable cast especially I'm, I'm a big fan of sam richardson these days he's a really funny guy i liked him in in hbo's veep he's really good in the sketch comedy show i think you should leave with uh tim robinson uh i he, he's a really interesting funny guy and i'm glad to see him kind of up and coming and in more things. Um, I think there's some interesting things that this film has in the subtext about fatalism and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and just the ways that combat can traumatize people and the way that trauma can really change the course of their lives. Chris McKay, uh, the director, and Zach Dean, the writer, just don't really seem to have any idea of how to like marshal that into a film that feels cohesive and not like it's just sort of cobbled together out of lots of different elements. And I brought up James Cameron because, you know, if you put 
the basic premise of, say, the Terminator side by side with the Tomorrow War, you know, there's not that much difference between them. Both kind of have, you know, there there's some some quote unquote cheesier elements to both. There's kind of the same sort of big blockbuster sci-fi action feel to both, coupled with you know both the the fun part of summer movies and also parts that really want to be more serious minded about the whole thing. But the Terminator is just a stone cold classic of sci-fi action, whereas the Tomorrow War is going to kind of be in the dustbin of history. And I think that really is a testament to Cameron's instincts and his ability to shape even what might seem very cheesy material into something much greater than the sum of its parts. You know, I think you're right in many ways, Kevin. And it you compare this movie to something like The Terminator. And of course, this doesn't come across very well. I don't think this movie is a great movie. I I think there are some really poor scenes here. I think a lot of people just might not dig it. But I have to say, I actually, I actually like this film and I liked it quite a bit. And it really is me still acknowledging warts and all that there's something here. And I, I'm trying to kind of put my finger on the positive aspects of the movie. I think that Chris Pratt isn't necessarily the, the best individual for this role. He has a limited emotional range just in general. And the same could be said here. But I still cared about the character and some of the work put in to his relationship and his daughter, uh, their relationship together, really, I don't know, just kind of locked me in. And so I watched this movie. I thought it was super entertaining, super, super tense, and surprisingly, uh, kind of felt emotional at times. And I think there's kind of a parable here. The best way to probably describe it is uh, you could compare it to one of those uh, sci-fi television channel original movies. I don't know if they still make them. Used to make them back in the day. Just real, just not great. This is like a prestige version of that. It doesn't have the best script. It isn't super smart. It wants to be a little bit higher concept and it you just can't really think about the plot. You can't really think about the time travel elements. And yet, I found it to be a pretty entertaining movie. So I, I liked it. I'm glad that I watched it. And I might, you know, in the next few months, oh, maybe okay. watch it again. So, I don't know. so this is interesting to me because it's been a while, I think, since we've had a movie where there's been a big gulf in, in the reactions between you and me. Like we, we often, you know, find ourselves simpatico in a lot of things. And so so it's been a while where, you know, I've, you know, one of us has really disliked something. The other one has has you know, had a good time with it or even really liked it. So I, I'm really curious to drill down deep into this because, you know, there, like I said, there are parts of this film that I do, I do like, there's a moment, uh, in the, at the beginning of the third act, I guess, where, um, the, so the, the basic premise, you know, uh, Pratt's character, Dan Forrester goes, you know, goes to the future because there's, there's this war going on with this alien species and, uh, the, the basic idea is that people go from our time, go forward into time to fight in this war 
for a week, and then after their seven days have elapsed, they're they're allowed they're automatically zapped back to to our own time. And there's a moment where we kind of see uh, Pratt come come back from his his tour, and we see his reaction to the world around him and the way that he sees even his own family, the way that uh, his perspective on them has been you know altered forever because of the things that he saw uh the the people that he met in the future um and and what happened during his tour there and for about two minutes i i I began to think okay maybe this is kind of what the movie is about maybe this is going to be the nugget that's all kind of been moving towards the the idea that uh knowing the future or having experienced future in some way can it, it can be a curse <laughs> uh, more so than something interesting, I, and I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm kind of willing to be won back by by this film because up to that point, I was kind of, you know, a little checked out. Um, but I was, I was willing to be won back, and for those two minutes, I was kind of dialed in, and then the film kind of was like, okay, we're done with that. We're going to have <laughs> this this kind of weird action coda where you know we go to Siberia, and it kind of turns into this overlong, loud action fest that um, I don't think is particularly all that tense because uh, there, there's a lot of plot logic that I found to be wanting. But even more than that, it was just disappointing to feel like the film had had an interesting idea, and it seemed as if. McKay and Dean were primarily interested in just sort of throwing that out there as like, oh, we we have this idea, but just merely suggesting it is going to be enough. We're not not actually going to explore it at all. And I feel like that's kind of the film in a nutshell is there are interesting elements, but the film either is unable to find a way to explore them in an engaging way or simply isn't interested in exploring them and just kind of wants to make lots of noise and shoot lots of aliens and and be done in two and a half hours and either way it's just it for me it was a really disappointing experience so i'm curious to hear more from you about like since you, obviously your experience is really different i really i'm interested in in uh in hearing more from from you about that i'm not going into a movie like this expecting it to profoundly change my perspective or illuminate some sort of theme in a huge way and i don't think you are either uh, I mean, I, I want to feel these characters and I would love for some of these concepts to come alive. And in that sense, I think it did work. There is a relationship here, like I mentioned, between Chris Pratt and his his daughter. And in the future, there's a scene that takes place on a beach. There There are revelations. He learns about his personal future from the perspective of our present day. And I felt like that hit pretty well. It said something about how we perceive ourselves in the present and what we believe about our relationships around us and yet how capable we are to change. And we see little bits and pieces of that. And I I, th- I thought it did a fine job in the moment of highlighting that theme. And then also, I think global warming is kind of a big thing. Even more than that, though, the idea of how, how does the present affect the future? 
And what sacrifices would we make now if we knew what was going to be what was going to happen in 30 years? And I think that film is it's not hit too hard, but I think it, it hits pretty well. We see characters making sacrifices because they want to stop something from happening. They want to they want to they want to fix the future, if you will. And we see glimpses of that throughout the film. And I think it works. And there's this one scene that I think hits it incredibly well. Uh, the characters are kind of in the future for the first time. And the logic is, is weird. Like, like I said, you can't think about it too much. Uh, characters are sent into the future with little or no training. And it just it feels counterintuitive. It's like, why, why would you do that when, yeah, it's just don't think about it too much. Um, but there's a scene where a couple of average citizens are extremely brave and sacrifice themselves for other characters. And I didn't expect any of that to hit because we don't know these characters too well. But it did. And I actually found myself to be to, to, to emotionally connect to that moment. And I think it connects to just like the larger ideas of what sacrifice is too great for the future. Is there a sacrifice that is too great? And can we afford to just ignore the world around us and just pass it on to our children? So some of those things I think worked really well. And I got, like I said, I got kind of got choked up at times uh, with these relationships with families and this overall idea of, of, of what do we do to just kind of cope? Like, how do we, how do we cope knowing what could come? And perhaps, you know, just kind of going through COVID, um, those themes are especially pertinent. But yeah, I think the film kind of hits it. Does it hit it like it could? No, but I think it's sprinkled throughout and we get some really good moments that I, yeah, I connected I, to. Man, I, I wish I could have connected with those moments the way that you did because they are there. I, I don't mean to suggest that this is just a, you know, like a, a sharknado or something where it's just, you know, it's obvious that everybody's just cashing a paycheck and just not interested in anything in, you know, any ideas at all. Um, I think the problem for me is just, uh, again, in the execution. So that moment you're talking about where there, there are these two average citizens who sacrifice themselves. Well, I, I sense that this is, you know, McKay is really trying to to make you feel something for those two characters in that moment. The the problem for me is there's there's kind of a gap, all right, be, uh, between the the people who these characters are when we're first introduced to them, and then the the people that they've become when they decide to sacrifice themselves. There's maybe like I don't know five, maybe ten minutes of of screen time between one and the other, and. During that time, we don't really get to see these characters change. You don't really get a sense for okay, well, how did uh, this? How did these people go from like you know average suburbanites say to people who are willing to you know stand in the middle of a road and fire a gun at an oncoming horde of aliens until they die? Like what? What was it? What switch got flipped to cause that change? And presumably, it did get flipped somewhere, but we don't get to see that happen. And so for me, when I when I watched that moment, I knew that the film wanted me to feel something, but because it felt rather arbitrary and glossed over, it was impossible for me to really connect with the 
the emotions that were clearly trying to be elicited. There's that moment uh, on the beach that you also mentioned where we kind of get a sense for the way that Chris Pratt's life is is uh, going to go once his tour is over. And again, it's 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 like the the, the outline of an interesting character moment where he's forced to, to reckon with elements of of himself that he may not have known were there but because it's not really set up in any way it's just kind of a sudden revelation and because it doesn't really get paid off in any meaningful way at the end i just i felt like it was something that was kind of injected to have some melodrama which it's nice to have those moments but if it's not really if there's no scaffolding around it to really make it feel earned it, it i guess for me it just it falls flat and i i think this is where you know, uh, I my reference to Cameron kind of maybe makes a little bit more sense is that I feel like Cameron has really good instincts for building that scaffolding. So even though his characters may not be, you know, Tolstoy characters, they still feel like when there are these big emotional beats, it does feel like, okay, I understand how we got to this point and where we might go from here. And it feels satisfying in a way that that this doesn't. And I don't know if that has to do with Cameron's ability to shape a screenplay or maybe his instinct for pacing and kind of cutting out anything that doesn't really feed into that stream. But whatever the case, I'm just not seeing it here in the Tomorrow War. And I I wish I did, but I just don't. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it it it, it isn't James Cameron. And it it I think it overall it works. It doesn't it isn't you know, Oscar worthy, but I think the idea of Chris Pratt's character being one way and he finds out that something happens and it changes everything. He didn't expect it. Life was going well. And I think that feeds into the overall idea of the movie that that we just kind of close ourselves off from the world and we think, oh, everything's kind of going well. And then the world falls apart. The future falls apart. And so characters making changes that are abrupt, I think, feed into the overall aspect of the movie. I'll also say this too. One, one reason that I like the movie is I just found, I found these action sequences pretty intense. They aren't filmed as well as something um, that we see in F9, but I found them to be a, even, even more captivating. And one way that I think McKay does this, especially with the aliens, is is the buildup. So these characters are going to the future. We don't know anything about these aliens. We don't see these aliens. We don't know if they're poisonous. We don't know if they're big, they're small, they're fast, they're slow. We just don't know. Are they more human than animal or animal than human? And so there's this buildup. And then when we see the creatures, and I think the CGI design is is pretty good, and these insect-like beings are so difficult to stop. Uh, I I found myself you know, pretty pretty captivated. I found the scenes pretty pretty tense throughout the film, and I thought that McKay, while his camera work isn't always excellent, uh, he definitely knows how to use these creatures to create that tension. And so we see that kind of throughout the movie because there's this kind of center section in the film where we are just in the future and 
the big you know the big deal is the aliens and so i think that that works pretty pretty well overall and adds to my overall enjoyment of the movie i just i found it to be i don't know just pretty entertaining and it's kind of a surprise because i didn't expect really to like it but i did care about these characters and the film is really kind of about survival and i think mckay does a, a good job of just of just watching these characters survive like it's just not easy it feels impossible and and i think that's that's a part of the allure of the story here i i do appreciate uh how the the film does you know i like i said i don't think it executes very well but i appreciate how it kind of um examines what i think is an element that's intrinsic to a lot of time travel stories which is the the idea of um you know of fatalism of, of destiny the idea that uh you, you know is is kind of your entire future laid out before you and you can't help but kind of go through the motions um are are there is, is there anything that you can do to change your own future is or is it kind of is your destiny sort of written into your programming and you're kind of doomed to to act it out um, is it possible to be surprised by humanity? And I think that that's that's a compelling element as as far as it goes. There are you know multiple characters. Uh, you know we we find out that one of the soldiers is uh, you know knows that he's going to either die in the war or he's going to die of natural causes very soon. So either way, he he knows that he is going to, he his days are numbered, and the way that his character is kind of sketched out you know there, there's some some potential there for examining you know what what does give our lives meaning and why you know what why why do we keep on living in in the face of existential threats which is you know it, it's compelling especially in an age of climate change you know that's that's compelling inherently to think about i don't like i said i don't think it's executed very well it, it's not really uh, yeah, McKay and, and and his screenwriter are kind of content to just sort of sketch it out and just leave it there and let us kind of color it in if we feel so inclined. But it is there, and I, I appreciate that. Um, I I wish that there had been maybe some more um, more compelling filmmaking choices to at least you know if we if we don't have the themes really sketched out with a lot of care, at least maybe the visually would be interesting. I don't think that. There's a whole lot here. I I'm not a huge fan of Larry Fong's uh, cinematography. It just feels kind of overlit and doesn't use the the creature design to its best effect. I like the design of the creatures. There's you know definitely elements of you know everything from alien to a quiet place and the kind of the way these these creatures move and are designed. And I think they're interesting. I just don't know that they're really shot in a way that makes them feel threatening in the same way that the creatures from those other films i mentioned are i feel like the the score from lauren balfay could have it's it's just kind of noisy militaristic music which is fine for some scenes but i think it becomes overpowering and there are moments where i kind of just wanted it to settle down a little bit and let let some of the other elements kind of breathe a little bit and and have their own effects apart from just sort of the percussion and horns but you know that that might be a little bit more subjective <laughs> you know you talk about character uh, design we need to talk about uh, character design uh, jk simmons is jacked in this film <laughs> it is ridiculous 
he is had been oh. working out, preparing for this role for years, I guess. Oh man, he he looks good. I, I gotta say, I mean, J.K. Every movie like this that gets J.K. Simmons in there needs to get on their get down on their knees and thank him profusely for being in their movie because he is never less than immensely entertaining to watch. He's just a really interesting actor. I liked seeing him kind of play this this beefy kind of ex you know ex marine guy like this this veteran who's just very manly man kind of working in his 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 greasy garage by himself and just it's it's a lot of fun to see simmons do that and i don't know he's just he's so watchable i love seeing him (laughs) it's great he's 66 years old and in better shape than i will ever be it is oh absolutely Uh, speaking for myself as well (laughs) and so i you know just elements like that in the movie it's just this it's the movie's kind of nuts and i i will say uh you know there's some over the top sentimentality and it's funny because the film the film's i feel like concerned with two things the action sequences and these interesting character relational moments everything else is just kind of whatever so how does the time travel work why they train or don't train soldiers a certain way, uh, the sequence where they find a toxin for alien, you know, all these things, it's just too fast. It's not done well. And yet the film just kind of likes to spend some time where characters are talking about their relationships and they just kind of, they talk about them and the dialogue is, is okay, but I don't know that it, it's just it's funny to see that happen, and then of course the action sequences. But yeah, I mean, it's I agree with a lot of the things you're saying with the score and the cinematography. But there was just kind of something in this movie that did captivate me, and maybe it's just because it was a good July Fourth watch. Maybe that's it. Uh, just a fun action movie, but. I, yeah, I appreciated it. Listeners, that's our review of The Tomorrow War. Are you one of the 2.41 million individuals and counting who have seen it? We would love to get your thoughts on this disagreement. Are you Team Wade? Did you like the movie? Or Team Kevin, wish you hadn't had watched it? Uh, Send us your thoughts at cbeliefpod, at cbeliefpod, or seeing and believing CAPC at gmail.com. Kevin, we have reached the end of our show, and at this point, we recommend something from the world of television and or film to our listeners. What would you like to recommend today? Well, you you, you did bring up that you found the, the Tomorrow War to be a, a really serviceable kind of uh, summer blockbuster, you know, watch. And I, when I was coming up with a recommendation for this week, I was thinking about Okay, well, what, what's a really good summer movie? And, you know, a lot a lot of the films that first occurred to me, I was like, well, I don't really want to recommend those because, you know, everybody's already seen those movies already. But then I thought, okay, but there's a, there is a film from 2009 that I think is really good at capturing a particular kind of summer experience for regular people. And I'm thinking of the uh, film written and directed by Greg Matola, Adventureland. Uh, this is uh, a movie, it's set in 1987. It stars Jesse Eisenberg as uh, a, a college grad who's, you know, he's 
He's out of college. He doesn't really know what to do with his life, and he can't really afford to live on his own. So he moves back to his hometown and gets kind of this dead-end job working at an amusement park, kind of as one of those you know, amusement park attendees who just is very bored and is running a theme park ride all day or running one of the booths all day. And this film is just kind of about what that first aimless summer after a big milestone might feel like. And I think Matola does such a wonderful job of capturing that peculiar brand of of aimlessness and youthful disaffection while also capturing the fact that, you know, Eisenberg's character, it's not all over for him. He is kind of just embarking on his on the rest of his life. The question is, what is that life going to look like for him? And that's kind of what the the film explores over the course of its runtime. I think it's really good. It's got a, a really good cast as well. In addition to Eisenberg, you've got Kristen Stewart, Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, Martin Starr. Just, it's really funny. It's really touching. I think it's really good. And I think it's a very good summer watch. So definitely check that out if you're in the mood for some more, uh, you know, day, some things to watch when you're kind of indoors in the AC on a hot summer day. <laughs> no, I've, I've always wanted to watch that movie. And I've seen it on various streaming sites, you know, here and there. And I, I've never actually gotten the time to do it. So I, I should, I should do that. That sounds like a fun, it just sounds like a nice, easy movie to watch. Uh, something that's just kind of cool. I, I went with a movie, Kevin, that I think a lot of people have seen, but I just love this movie so much. And I, I assume we've probably talked about this before, it was released the year before a podcast started in 2014. It was it hit theaters and it made my top 10. And every time I watch it, I like it more and more. And so Priscilla's family, they were in town. We watched The Tomorrow War and I said, hey, have y'all seen Edge of Tomorrow? And of course, Priscilla's seen it. But they were like, no. And I was like, okay, if you liked the Tomorrow War, we're going to a different Tomorrow universe and we're going to watch Edge of Tomorrow. And so we we watched it and I just, I love that movie. It stars Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. It's about a soldier fighting aliens and his day starts over after he dies and he must team up with Emily Blunt to stop the aliens it's just a i mean it's just a great movie the action scenes are filmed incredibly well doug uh, lehman does a nice job of of hitting certain scenes and we just we don't know how many times cruz has lived that scene his character and you'll figure out you know, he's been there, oh man, he's been there a dozen times. And you just, you don't really know that. So there's this aspect of, of mystery, but it's just a great action movie. The character development is done really well. Emily Blunt is incredible. Uh, so for individuals who haven't seen or have seen, I guess, The Tomorrow War, you didn't like it. If you want something to kind of get you going again, it that also has Tomorrow in the title and it's also about aliens, you got to check out 2014's Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, I, I prefer to think of it not as the Tomorrow Cinematic Universe, but maybe the Groundhog Day Cinematic Universe. I like to go. think that, you know, Edge of Tomorrow, Groundhog Day, and uh, last year's Palm Springs all exist in, in the same universe. And, you know, they're they're probably like 
Maybe some of them read about the other stories in the news one day. It just that makes me happy to think. About, so. <laughs> oh so no, that's, that's great. That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> no, I love, I love, I love those types of stories. Yeah, I mean, and just Edge of Tomorrow. It's, I would, if they could make movies like that all day, and I would see them over and over again. It's just kind of my, like, it's just my, it's one of my movies. Like, it's for me, and so. I really like it. Listeners, once again, make sure to tweet us at cbeliefpod. Email us, seeingandbelievingcapc at gmail.com. Recommend movies to us. Respond to our reviews. We love to get your thoughts. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. It's brought to you by ChristandPopCulture.com. Our producer is Jonathan Clausen, who every week helps us to search for the sacred on screen. I'm Wade Bearden. My co-host is Kevin McLenathan. And until next time... This is Seeing and Believing. We'll see you later. You have been listening to Seeing and Believing, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Alexander Osborne and Lindsay Miz, used under Creative Commons License 3.0. This episode was brought to you in part by the audio adventure series, Discovery Mountain. Help your kids fall in love with the Bible. Each true-to-life adventure story will draw them closer to Jesus. Visit discoverymountain.com CT.